Dave, I hear you've been really getting into Passionflower lately. Is this something that is new to you? Is this something you've always been into? I've heard you mention the last couple of lectures, and I'm just wondering if you just something you just came across, or what's your history with Passionflower, and what got you turned on to it? Well, I, I think I first was turned on to passion flower and passion fruit in the entire vine, probably when I first went to Hawaii and started eating them regularly. And I, I was very excited when I found out that passion fruit had been eaten with chocolate way back in the early days. And I was looking into the chemistry of the seeds of passion fruit, which contain nervine, and then that nervine can be activated by chocolate, and that kind of creates a relaxing effect, almost a kind of a a calming effect on the body. And then a friend of mine in Hawaii had turned me on to a kahuna, and I was talking to a kahuna about passion flower and and traditional Hawaiian medicines, and and this guy was telling me that there are amazing compounds in the root of passion flower vine. And so I went out and I dug up a bunch of wild roots and experimented with that, and that was fascinating. And then one day, my friend Merlin came over, and Merlin is famous for creating a superfood formula called Merlin's Roots Elixir. And Merlin came over and he said, hey, are you into doing passion flower? And I said, yeah, you know, I've done it as tea. And I picked them. And um, last batch I got, I remember, was at Esalon Institute in Northern California. I picked some wild passion flowers and we made teas out of that. That was great. And, and then he started telling me about the medicinal properties of passion flower and how it's very important and antagonistic to bad estrogen. It gets out deep seated contractions in the body where we're holding, like holding patterns, um, tensions that cause constipation and, and contractions created by stress deep in the tissue of our body and just calms everything down. And then he started telling me about um, the great healer from Brazil, John of God, who recommends passion flowers number one of anything. And I thought, wow. And I said, do you have any? And he did. And he had a whole bag of it. So I started doing passion flower powder which is really difficult to eat. And it's it's kind of difficult to even put into smoothies and elixirs because it doesn't taste very good and it's a dominant flavor. So I had to start looking in deeper and further as to what kind of passion flower am I going to do. So I started looking into passion flower extracts and tinctures. And that's personally what I do now. It's the easiest for me. And, you know, you have to try yourself and figure out what form of passion flower is going to work for you. If you want to just take the whole flowers, dry them out, and use them as a tea, that's great. That tastes actually reasonably good. Or you burn down and throw the smoothies. Again, a little bit of a flavor bar- barrier there. And maybe a tincture is the way to go. Later, I was talking to my friend, Dr. Yu, and Dr. Yu was talking about Christen, which is an aromatase inhibitor that is present in passion flower. And I started looking at the peer-reviewed medical research on Christen, and its effect on stopping the aromatization of hormones. And it's it, it was pretty incredible research that I, that I uncovered there. So that made me even a bigger fan of passion flower. Now, let me just back up and tell you what this whole aromatization thing means. When we form progesterone or we form testosterone, we want to make sure it doesn't aromatize and convert over to estradiol or a bad form of estrogen, especially later in life. And this is what's happening with me as like a breast cancer is they, they'll form, say, a progesterone anti-breast cancer. And that hormone helps to fight breast cancer. But then all of a sudden it aromatizes and flips over and goes to the dark side and it becomes a bad form of estrogen, which, which causes the cancer to grow. And you got to stop that. And that process can be inhibited by passion flower and passion flower extracts. All of that put together put a, a, Passion flower, in my opinion, right up there 
as one of the preeminent tonic herbs. And it is a tonic herb. You can do it all the time. There's something about our diet that we need to look at, and it's something I mention a lot in my seminar, and that is we never really eat flowers. We eat leaves, we eat stems, you know, we eat all different kinds of things in the natural world. But we hardly ever eat flowers. And passion flower is a flower, and it's an extraordinary flower. It may be the most beautiful flower of all. And what and to eat. And what an interesting thing to connect to. It's it's research history and, and what it can do for us. And if we do passion flower, then what happens is, and this is something I discovered, is that you build up, let's say you're performing testosterone in a man's body, you build up your testosterone and it doesn't aromatize, so you hold it longer, and that gives you a little bit more testosterone. So you're actually going to build up a little bit of passion and firepower. That's where the whole idea of passion flower comes from. Wow, that's so interesting. So, Dave, I know you've been talking in the last year or two quite a lot about the importance of developing high-quality fats and hormone precursors in your diet, things from coconut, uh, things from other types of oils, you know, avocados, of course, and the, the, those precursors to progesterone. So is it, in your opinion, uh, really important now to have something like passion flower in our diet? Because if someone is on the raw food path and then they come across your materials on the importance of building up good quality fats, you know, the precursors to, to hormones and good cholesterol, is the danger there that they do that, but they still have aromatization of those precursors and hormones into bad estrogens? And passion flower would be a great antidote to that. And do you think that's coming from all the toxins in our environment, all the xenoestrogens, that, that flipping over into the bad estrogen? Well, the, the cause of aromatization is unclear to me. There's a number of causes. The, the primary cause is actually being overweight. If we have too much fat on our body, then we're going to actually produce more aromatase, which is the enzyme that flips the good hormone into the bad. So if you can lose weight, you're going to aromatize less. Beyond that, there are, I'm sure, environmental triggers, there are stress triggers, that are unclear to me. So I'm looking into that, researching that right now. Um, I, I think you're, you're hinting at something that I'm going to just overtly state, and that is if you are taking really powerful hormonal types of supplements like the deer antler, then it's probably a good idea, in my opinion, to modulate that with some herbs to just deliver it better. And one of the best, it's going to help you hold on to the progesterone or testosterone longer that are, and those are the derivative products of the cascade that occurs when you take in a product like deer antler or elk antler. Those products are very hormonal and eventually they'll be cut up into hormones and then finally they arrive in the receptor site as progesterone and we want to keep it there. We don't want to dump into somebody's body a huge amount of hormonal, hormonal precursors, um, let's say bioidentical progesterone for example. Um, when they're aromatizing that over and flipping it over very fast into bad estrogen. So let me just state that again, because this is a very good idea and a very important idea. If we're at a point where we're using progesterone cream and we're dealing with breast cancer, there may be some aromatization happening, which is converting the progesterone, the good stuff, into bad estrogen. And we've got to block it. And a good blocker is passion flower. It's the best natural blocker that I know of. There are other ones, olive extracts and olive, what's an olive oil, oleorupine, actually, that particular compound, is an inhibitor. There are also natural aromatase inhibitors in chamomile, another flower 
I bet you as we go deeper in the great herbal flowers, we're going to find that many of them contain aromatase inhibitors. There's not too many studies on this, but more will be done as time goes on and we'll find out more. Putting that all together, then we see that passionflower gives us the benefit of helping us to get out some deep-seated contractions in our body. And so it helps to calm our nervous system down. It helps to drive off the aromatization and the conversion of the good hormone into the very, very interesting in its effect on normalizing the production of healthy neurotransmitters, too. And this is something about passion flower that we've heard about. Passion flower helps to make us happier, and it helps us to keep our neurotransmitters working longer as well. It helps to keep serotonin in place for a longer period of time. And it has some really high support, I think, because it's used by John of God. And he's a very interesting healer, definitely someone to pay attention to if you're in the natural health field. Um, what's going on down there at his facility down in Brazil is fascinating to me, and it's something to um, take note of in, in the natural health field. It's okay, fantastic. And I know that this is something that uh, is really important because my understanding from your interview with Dr. Yu is when they prescribe these sort of, you know, bioidentical progesterone creams, for example, they do try to mitigate the chances of flipping into bad estrogen with some type of um, aromatase inhibitor that is a pharmaceutical uh, and so this is a way to kind of bypass all that to not only get our hormone precursors naturally through things like uh, coconut. I know you talk a lot about pregnenolone. I don't know if that plays a role in here, but not only taking in the, the source of the hormone in a natural way, but also taking in the inhibitor and in also a natural type of way. Right, exactly. And you're, you're right on. And, and Dr. Yu is very clear in his, like a advanced breast cancer or advanced prostate cancer, then uh, Passion flower may not be strong enough, and you might have to actually go to a, a pharmaceutical like a Rimadex to help to stop that. And, and that's one of these areas of research that we're learning a lot more about. And there's never anything that's just really all bad. There's never really anything that's all good. We always want to stack the odds in our favor whenever possible, and sometimes a pharmaceutical can save our life, and that's why it exists. But when it's abuse of these things and, and they're used without a, a whole bunch of intelligence around it, then we get into trouble. And that, that, I believe, is the real message underlying our current state of medicine today. Um, if we need to help stop the aromatization, we've got some natural choices now. Passion flower being a primary choice. Chamomile was mentioned. Olive oil is good. Um, oleoropine and olive leaf extract is great. But if we have to go to stronger stuff, that exists too. And if we need it, it's great to have that choice. 